had announced but failed to fully implement. It took a lifelong soldier who would smash the Nazi war machine to compel total racial integration of the military. Eisenhower may have felt as his fellow Republican and soldier, Senator Charles Potter did when he stood on crutches in the well of the Senate, he lost both legs in World War II, and denounced the Democrats for refusing to pass a civil rights bill. I fought beside Negroes in the war, Potter said. I saw them die for us, for the Senate of the United States to repay these valiant men by a watered-down version of this legislation would make a mockery of the democratic concept we hold so dear. When Eisenhower ran for re-election in 1956, the Republican Party platform endorsed the recent Supreme Court ruling in Brown v. Board of Education, desegregating public schools. The Democratic platform did not. Indeed, a number of Democratic governors proceeded to ignore the landmark decision. Ike responded by sending in the 101st Airborne to walk black children to school. In his second term, Eisenhower pushed through two major civil rights laws and created the Civil Rights Commission over the stubborn objections of Democrats. Senator Lyndon Johnson warned his fellow segregationist Democrats, be ready to take up the goddamn Nigra bill again. Liberal hero Senator Sam Irvin told his fellow segregationists, I'm on your side, not theirs, adding ruefully, We've got to give the goddamn niggers something. Vice President Richard Nixon pulled some procedural tricks as president of the Senate to get the 1957 bill passed, for which he was personally thanked by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But LBJ had stripped the first bill of enforcement provisions, so Eisenhower introduced another stronger civil rights bill in 1960. All 18 votes against both bills were by Democrats. Democratic opposition to civil rights was becoming what we call a pattern. Unfortunately for the cause of equality, Nixon lost the 1960 presidential election, and there wasn't much enthusiasm for aggressively enforcing civil rights in either the Kennedy or Johnson administrations. That would have to wait for Nixon's return. But with the electoral tide turning, thanks in large part to Eisenhower's civil rights laws and Thurgood Marshall's lawsuits, LBJ did a complete turnaround as president and suddenly decided to push through a dramatic civil rights bill. Black people were voting in large enough numbers that the Democrats were either going to have to abandon the segregationists or never win another national election, so Johnson switched sides out of a sincere commitment to civil rights. Even with a Democratic president behind the Civil Rights Act of 1964, a far larger percentage of Republicans than Democrats voted for it. Eminent Democratic luminaries voted against it, including Senators Ernest Hollings, Richard Russell, Sam Irvin, Albert Gore Sr., J. William Fulbright, Bill Clinton's mentor, and, of course, Robert Byrd. Overall, 82% of Senate Republicans supported the Civil Rights Act of 1964, compared to only 66% of Democrats. In the House, 80% of Republicans voted for it, while only 63% of Democrats did. Crediting Democrats for finally coming on board with Republican civil rights policies by supporting the 64 Act— would be nearly as absurd as giving the Democrats all the glory for Reagan's 1981 tax cuts, which passed with the support of 99% of Republicans but only 29% of Democrats. Nixon launched his national comeback with a 1966 column bashing Democrats as the party of Maddox, Mahoney, and Wallace, trying to squeeze the last ounces of political juice out of the rotting fruit of racial injustice. One can see why Democrats would later be desperate to impeach him, especially Sam Irvin, a major segregationist, 
who headed the Senate Watergate panel. One of the main reasons Nixon chose a rookie like Spiro Agnew as his vice presidential nominee was Agnew's sterling civil rights record. Agnew had passed some of the first bans on racial discrimination in public housing in the nation, before the federal laws, and then beaten segregationist George Mahoney for governor of Maryland in 1966. That was the Mahoney in Maddox, Mahoney, and Wallace. With the segregationist vote split between Democrat Hubert Humphrey and George Wallace in the 1968 presidential election, Nixon won. In his inaugural address, he said, No man can be fully free while his neighbor is not. To go forward at all is to go forward together. This means black and white together, as one nation, not two. The laws have caught up with our conscience. What remains is to give life to what is in the law, to ensure at last that as all are born equal in dignity before God,